Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. Hi, this is Patrick Timpone. It is gloomy roomy here in Dripping Springs, but we have some light, so I think we can can get by. We generally go with mostly available light. and uh, But you are your own light, so you just shine your thing right at the computer and you'll be good. Good morning. My name is Patrick Timpone. We're going to have fun this morning. We're going to talk about your toofies with one of my uh, best friends and my dentist, Dr. Stuart Nunley, and he'll be here in just a second. If you have a question about your teeth, your tooth, your mouth, and all of that, here's a way to do it. 888-663-6386. The email is patrick at oneradionetwork.com. It is 23 February, and uh, we will be joined by Richard Mayberry in an hour or so. Early warning report. So there you have it. Also email patrick at oneradionetwork.com and use the telephone if you're not shy, 888-663-6386. About 10 years ago or so, 10, 11 years, I ran into a fellow who came by and told me about a man in uh, Wimberley who had this trailer that he was taking images with thermal imaging of one's mouth and they could tell if you had cavitations. Well, I didn't know what a cavitation was, but of course being an Italian Scorpio, I said, well, i got to figure this out. you know." So I did, and he said, yeah, you should really go see Dr. Nunley in Marble Falls. You have cavitations. So that's what I did, and uh, I saw Dr. Nunley, and we became good friends, and he's been on the show forever, a lot of times. Dr. Nunley, thank you for coming on the show. Good morning. Thank you, Patrick, for having me today. It's You're right, it is a bit gloomy in Texas. That's atypical for us. Yeah, well... There's enough people coming here from California, so we get gloomy now and then, so they, so they, don't, keep, so they don't keep coming. Uh-oh. Oh, my. Dr. Stuart Nunley is in Marble Falls. His website is healthysmilesforlife.com. He's joined by uh, Freeman Owens, and you have a new uh, dentist, uh, his name? Uh, Rich Dorsey. Rich? Fabulous, fabulous man. Rich Dorsey. And, uh, Rich Dorsey. Many, many years of experience. He's just... Uh, We'd like to clone him about 10 times over. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's so good. How would you best describe, you know, we've used the term, of course, the term natural dentist, biological dentist, uh, mercury-free dentist, all these memes are out there. What do you say when people ask you what your practice is? We have a lot of new people from around the world that join us all the time who don't know you and see your other shows. Mm. Well... There are a number of things I think that would uh, distinguish us from uh, your, the typical, um, I guess, what we would say today is uh, the a dentist you would expect to, to to see, and that would be one. We would be very very um, careful about what materials we put in someone's mouth because. When you have something embedded in your mouth or tissues 24-7, it's going to leach. And uh, you want whatever's leaching, you want to make sure it's not a contaminant or a toxin for you. So Uh we're careful about that. And actually, you know, we can test someone's blood serum against virtually every known dental material and find out what they're compatible with. So that would certainly distinguish us from a distinguished me from what I did the first 20 years of my practice. And uh, then, of course, um, there are several 
things that we really look at carefully in, in biological dentistry. We, we want to assess the health of teeth, maybe more so than what, um, what a traditionally trained dentist would be. That would specifically, I think, uh, point to root canal-treated teeth. We want to we look at those very carefully. We want to also, of course, this idea you, you mentioned, cavitations was uh, something I'd never even heard of. Hmm. Well, I barely knew about it 10 or 12 years ago <laughs> when you came to see me. Hmm. I'd only been doing the treatment for maybe eight years at that time. But now we know a lot about this lesion, and we know it's a very, very unhealthy lesion to have in your body. And so that's something that would certainly distinguish us from what a traditional dentist would do. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, from a periodontal standpoint, uh, maybe I'm setting the stage for, for the questions you're going to ask me, Patrick, but we know more and more now about periodontal disease. It's kind of boring, quite frankly, mm -hmm. because uh, – but when you look at the, the microbiome, which is more and more important to us, when we look at the microbiome of the mouth, we know if it's not healthy, uh, it sets the, the stage for what goes on throughout the rest of our system with our systemic and uh, gut microbiome. So we have a lot to be concerned about, I think, in, in uh, biological dentistry. It does make it absolutely a joy to practice because – uh, well, we want things to be cosmetic. We want them to be pretty. But we want more than anything, we want someone to be healthy. And uh, so we're looking at that. We want to make sure whatever we do is complementary to their systemic health. Yes, sir. Well said. Um, so uh, if you just had to name a couple of the top three things that people do that maybe are other than the best choices, as far as food or lifestyle that could contribute to one of these teeth going south and, and then getting in a position where you had to pull it. And since you don't do root canals, taking it out is probably probably the only option you have, right? So what makes them go, go, go this far south where you have to do this? Well, and, and you, you know, nutrition and lifestyle are key. They're paramount. If you, if you don't, nourish your organs with good food and good minerals, good water, um, good O2, clean, clean air, then you're just going to have organ failure hmm. and teeth or organs. And uh, so we see, for example, when you look at someone who looks robustly healthy, almost always their teeth will be healthy. Uh-huh. And when you look at someone who looks like they're systemically ill, we're almost always going to find the issues in the oral cavity. And so um, you can't separate the two. Food, nutrition, um, supplementation would be number one. And then there are a number of parafunctional habits that we get into. It might be, it might be, um, it might be nail biting for Pete's sake. It could be clenching excessively, or if we do that in our sleep, we call that bruxism. Those things can certainly contribute to the destruction of the dentition. So it's like taking a fence post out here and you do this long enough to the fence post. And before you know it, you know, you have a loose fence post Yeah. or the ground 
around it begins to uh, begins to go south, and that happens too with our teeth. Uh-huh. So those are, I think, uh, key factors. And then the last one would be the various toxins that we put inside the teeth. Uh, mercury being the worst, of course, and we, we as dentists, I think, are guilty of having used the material way longer than we ever had any scientific evidence to use. And it's still hard to believe it's still being used today. But at any rate, that is a huge contributor to teeth problems. It breaks teeth for Pete's sake. It keeps dentists in business. When you stick a metal filling down in a tooth and pound on it for years, you break the tooth. Yes, sir. So one of the things that you do a lot of is take the mercury fillings out, replace them with the good stuff that is biocompatible. Um, and you do a lot of that, I suspect, right? Correct. Yes, we and do. you have you really have to be set up for that, and you are with fans and making sure that people in the in the in your little operating uh, you don't call it operating room. What do you call it? Just whatever. You know, <laughs> looks like an operating. It looks room. like an operating room because you, know, you have ozone and you have all kinds of things. Yeah, uh, sure. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of little extra steps that we go through there. <laughs> yeah, to make sure that the patients and we, the the dentist and the staff, are protected. Because you did toxify yourself long ago, right? And that's how you really got into this, doing it the, the best way, long ago. Oh, I did. Yeah. I did. I, I worked for the first 20 years paying no attention to how, how I removed mercury fillings. And uh, wow. that was a mistake, a mistake for my staff and, of course, my patients, of course, and for me. But I... Now, in retrospect, it turned out to be a huge blessing for me because I learned a better way. And I was, as a result of becoming ill from the mercury, you know, I was exposed to Hal Huggins and others. I was exposed to a different way, a new paradigm. And I'm, now I'm very grateful for having had the opportunity to go through a very miserable time in my life where we thought I had ALS, it turned out to be a mercury issue. So you were diagnosed with ALS by physicians, and you were really in a bad bad sort. And what year was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 2002, uh-huh. so it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And actually, even though I was referred to the ALS Center and I had many, sim- many of the symptoms, I wasn't. I never received the diagnosis. Oh, you didn't? And... Uh, it turned out it was it was a mercury toxicity issue primarily, and you know most times when you have these downturns in your health and they're of a toxic nature, that's usually not just one toxin. It can be it can be a number of them. Uh, mercury in my case was the worst, but toxins don't just add up like one toxin plus one is two. I mean, there's a huge multiplication factor in there. And, so if you add, say, aluminum toxicity on top of mercury, you don't go from you don't go from one plus one is two. You go from one plus one equals sixty in terms of its toxicity. So hmm. that's that's an issue. And some people, you know, we know detoxify better than others. And I was one of those who didn't detoxify that well. You didn't detoxify well. What were the main <clears throat> things that you did, Doctor Nunley, to get the the mercury out of your system? What'd you do? Uh, number one, I, I avoided exposure anymore. So I was very, very careful in our office to not 
um, expose myself to the mercury, even though we continued to remove it. We took all these precautions, of right. course. Uh, that was number one. Number two was I was careful environmentally not to expose myself. I loved fish back in the day. And uh, so I avoided fish for 20 years. I've had a few little bites of shrimp in the <laughs> last year to just to test. But uh, other than that, I've really avoided uh, anything that has mercury in it. I eat only organically. And um, I, I'm just very, very careful about being re-exposed to that i wouldn't live downstream from a coal-fired generation plant uh right. anything that would expose me I, I would avoid what other measures uh didn't you do saunas and oh yes you, you did saunas yeah, a lot I, <clears throat> I did saunas i got infrared sauna and uh really got in there daily for a long time i several years hmm and that was huge. I, I could I could sweat, and that's a nice, gentle way to detox. I think that was a big thing. I did detox baths where we'd fill the bathtub with about 104 or 5 degree water and put some Epsom salts and baking soda in there and pull a big old sheet up where you're kind of like a little cocoon in there. Wow. <laughs> and and uh, that's helpful. That's helpful. That's another gentle way to detox. Yeah. We promote a sauna we've been selling for years. It's the relaxed one where you sit in there. It's really cool and your head is out. Mm -hmm. And they claim that they've done studies where you can see more heavy metals and things come out of the urine after the sauna. So you're not just sweating out, right? Does that that, uh, resonate with you? No, it does resonate because you begin to mobilize those metals Uh um, when you get a nice gentle heat. And, you know, it's also interesting, Patrick, why so many um, athletes that sweat on a daily basis. This mm-hmm. is great advice for people when you, uh, in order to avoid these sorts of um, toxicity issues is to try to sweat daily, try to break a sweat. So for me, still today, I try to get some exercise. Um, it's a cold day today. It's going to be hard for me to sweat, but I'm going to get out. After a while, I'm going to be kind of bundled up and I'm going to take a jog and try to break a sweat because mm-hmm. I always feel better after that. And there's a number of reasons for that. But sweating for me was a big help. Yeah. Here's our first email. Um, Dr. Nunley, do you recommend root canals for any reason or all of them trouble? Thanks for the email. KMF. Okay. That, that's, and, you know, that's a wonderful question. Let's say a, a person has... Um, multiple root canals. They're robustly healthy. And if, if they lose another tooth, they're going to have to go either to implants or removable bridge. For some reason, they're, um, listen, many people tolerate root canals well. I wouldn't have one. I wouldn't have one if it was the last tooth in my head. Yes, sir. But um, some people tolerate them beautifully and who wants to lose a tooth so if you were going to lose a tooth and it cost you you are now going to have a real debilitation in terms of chewing well maybe there's a time for that uh, for a root canal because there's a real trade-off when we remove a tooth now we've got another set of problems how do we how do we replace it safely and make sure it's functional and aesthetic so I, I think I weigh, I weigh all these on a case-by-case basis. 
And in my own case, I made a bold statement a minute ago. I wouldn't have a root canal, and I wouldn't, even if I was down to my last tooth, because I value my systemic health, and I would go some other route, some other kind of uh, way other than a root canal. But I understand finances, you know, when you take a tooth out, now you've got a new expense. You, and so the, the, the question that the listener poses is a fabulous question. And it's one that we go through with every patient every day. Now, here's Patrick, here's the issue. Um, most of dentistry does not go through that thought process. It's just that you need a root canal and a crown boom with no one ever telling you that what the root canal treatment might pose for you from a systemic health standpoint in the future. Um, if, all of, if all of us as dentists would just educate our patients and say, hey, listen, here's the options. You can have a root canal. Maybe you're going to handle it well. Maybe you won't. There's some awfully good research about root canal treatment and cardiovascular disease, stroke, you, and you can go down the list. There's a long list of issues associated with root canal treated teeth. And um, if dentists would just inform their patients so that they could make a decision, then that would be great. Mm -hmm. The problem is we usually don't do that. Yeah. We have several questions mm -hmm. on implants, and uh, that, that's the first, not, that's one option when you have patients and you take the root canal, the bad stuff out, right? And you clean it up and you put an ozone and you do the whole thing is um, Dr. Huggins, I can recall him, he, he wasn't big fans of, of implants, was he? He said it was really oh. a, hit on, a hit on your immune system. And do you feel the same way, or are you more, how do you feel about implants? I, I don't feel quite as strongly about it as Dr. Huggins did. He, he always said, and I, he, there's a lot of truth to what he said in this respect, if you embed something that doesn't have your own DNA on it into a, mm -hmm. your tissues, bone in particular, you're going to mount an immune response to it. I think that's correct. I don't, it's difficult to measure that response when it comes to, for example, zirconia implants. I will have to say that there have been times when we've tried to stretch the rule for example, we might have a young patient who has a blatant autoimmune disease. They do not want to have some kind of removable appliance to replace their missing teeth. Let's say we've removed their root canal treated teeth or they've lost teeth. They have an autoimmune disease and they want some fixed teeth. Maybe they're getting married next year. Well, there have been a few times when we have fudged on that and um, we have had zirconia implants placed. And there have been a few times, quite frankly, when those have not been successful. The patient has rejected those, and we've regretted that decision. So we're very, very careful about who we recommend implants for. They have to be healthy. If they're coming off of some systemic illness, we want them to have been well and living like uh, their A game for the last year before we want to consider an implant. And if they need several, we might have them just do one first to make sure that it doesn't challenge their immune system uh, too much mm -hmm. and that they're able to to uh, to tolerate it. So I, if I had my teeth removed right now, I would 
I would probably opt for zirconia implants, but I might go a little bit slower to make sure I was tolerating them well before mm-hmm. I would have a whole mouthful placed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. There's a gr- this is a great one from only. That's a great name. Only. Are there certain foods that would be more um, in in the way to hurt the teeth, you know, and, and cause root canals? Certain foods. Uh, this is a long email. I'm just kind of paraphrasing it, though. Yeah, carbohydrates. Carbohydrates and period um, are the issue. Even even if you're eating complex carbs. Uh, if you eat those later in the day and they stay on your teeth all night long, you're going to have decay issues. So we, we need carbs to function. Um, and uh, complex carbs are usually what we consider um, safe. But the more simple the carb gets, like simple sucrose, fructose, and glucose, the bigger the issue is. And we, we uh, I mean, Listen, we saw a patient the other day, Patrick. This was a wonderful patient. The patient had had COVID and took um, cough drops um, for three weeks. The patient had 18 decayed teeth when we saw them on their visit. 18? 18. Just cough drops? 18. Cough drops? Now, the patient had been sick and coughing and had been taking the cough drops for about a month, and I think it was – only a matter of uh, a few weeks after that, we saw him. This is a patient who had been virtually decay-free. So that's an example of how a, a challenged immune system with a good dose of sugar every day, holding the cough drop inside your mouth, can decay teeth. Hmm. We see it, you know, quite frequently, but that one comes to, to my mind. But that would be in conjunction with a weakened uh, um constitution whatever you want to call it, weakened immune system or low low it energy would, right it would be but you know you if if you hold a concentrated dose of a carbohydrate a refined carbohydrate like glucose fructose sucrose you hold that in your mouth um either from a dr pepper or a you bathe your teeth all day long in a soft drink or with something like a um sugared candy or a cough drop you're you're just really looking for problems hmm. interesting dr stewart not only is with us patrick timpone one radio network.com let me do a little plug plug here for the things that i use on my little toothies and uh this is a great product i love this one here's a short explanation how this product pearlseum works with our teeth from Dr. Rulin Zhu. So basically, when you brush your teeth with the pearl, make your existing teeth stronger and also filling up because our teeth is being harmed every every day by what we eat, can become porous or uh, weak, even lose part of the bones. So when you brush teeth with the porcium and the pearl powder will stimulate the new bone growth and also make the existing teeth very strong. So it's actually stimulating new growth on the teeth in a natural way and not painting mm-hmm. something over it? It is very natural. It's making existing teeth stronger. New growth of the bone, it is very beautiful color. You know, it's kind of like a pearl. It's, yeah. And especially the pearl is a crystal. 
And so when it grows, the bone is in the most healthy way. Yeah, we love this product. Give it a try if you'd like. Click on the Pearl CM ad on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. We have it set up to go to the two container where you get a nice discount. But if you only want one to start, just click over to the single bottle and get that one. It's the Pearl CM. The ad right on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. I do love this product. I've been using it for two or three or four years. And uh, you can get this container and you see the powder and you just put this on your tooth. And it's it's mostly calcium, but it's got other things in there too. Uh, but it's from real pearl, not mother of pearl, but real pearl um, that they have in the, a lake that uh, lakes that Dr. Rule and Chu's family uh, looks over. And, um, and pearls, pearls cry. Our oysters cry and they make pearls. So they they show them sad movies. I just made that up. They show them sad movies and then they, they see the pearl. It's uh, They see that they make oysters and the pearls. And I think it's a great product. If you'd like to try it, you can go on our website and uh, and check it out. One of the very first things I do in the morning is come sit at my meditation chair. And that's when I take my dual extracted mushrooms from Survival, the chaga and the reishi. Both of these mushrooms are immunomodulators. If you had too strong of an immune system, like autoimmunity, it'll help to downregulate and calm the immune system. If you have too weak of an immune system, like an immunodeficiency, they help to upregulate or strengthen your immune system. So whatever you're dealing with, they help to bring your immune system to balance. In addition to being immunomodulators and adaptogens, chaga is probably best known for its extremely high ORAC value or antioxidant content. It scavenges the body of free radicals. And reishi has a long history being used in conjunction with meditation and for reaching higher states of consciousness. And that's why I like to take these right before my meditation. There's a lot of medicinal mushroom supplements on the market to choose from, but most are made with cheaply produced mushrooms grown on grain and either ground up and put in capsules or extracted in non-organic alcohol. So Thrival does it differently. We use wild harvested chaga and organic certified wood-grown reishi fruit bodies, not the mycelial extract. And then we use an organic alcohol and a hot water extraction method and then recombine so you get the full benefits of these extremely high quality mushrooms. These are really great products. And as you can hear, they're very picky and uh, particular and careful about the way they make these uh, products. And uh, it's on sale right now, the Shaga and Rishi. Use promo code FORTIFY15. Promo code FORTIFY. For those of you in Petaluma, that's F-O-R-T-I-F-Y-15, 15% off on uh, Shaga and Rishi right now on RadioNetwork.com and Easter Thrival Link. We'll get you going there. Broadcasting from the beautiful hill country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Thanks for coming on the show, Dr. Stuart Nunley. Dr. Nunley is my dentist, mm. and, uh, you know, the only reason he takes me in, um, you know, they don't usually let crazy people in, but he lets me in because I've I'm, I'm known <laughs> him for a long time. We, we let you in because of your hair. I want hair like you. Do you want, when you grow up, you want hair like mine? <laughs> yeah, when I grow up. <laughs> I want muscles like yours when I, when I, when I grow up, too. So, Dr. Stuart Nunley, if you have a question, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Here's a lady... Oh, she's in Austin. She's close by, and she's have had veneers on her teeth, on her upper second second molar has just broken, and it's kind of uh, 
just kind of going bye-bye. I mean, what can she do? Did she have to get this whole thing replaced? Veneers? She may. Occasionally they can be patched, but, you know, uh, unfortunately, what we, you know, what God gave us uh, was pretty good in terms of teeth. And then when we try to repair them, we, we never can quite get that good. We can get close, but veneers break just like teeth can. And when they break, I'd say most often they have to be replaced. Uh-huh. Here's an email from Amrit. She said, I, I'm on a low kind of budget, and I'm finding some places down in Mexico where they can do some things a lot less up here. Does your guest know anything about this? Or would this be safe? No telling exactly where they're, which one they're talking to, right? Yeah, I, you know, we we see a lot of dentistry from Mexico, and occasionally it's um, good and acceptable. But I, I would say, quite frankly, that most times it, it's it's not up to standard. Hmm. And I hate to say that, but I can say that about other places in the world as well, and. Even sometimes here, you know, um, but I would say just be very, very, very careful. I would try to get um, some good references before I seek out a place outside of the country because sometimes the standards are not up to ours. And I think it's fair to say that, um, and I'm sure you've seen your share, if you, if you get some dental work done that's poor dental work, just because of the training or, or the facility, it could be cost you more at the end of the day to try to fix it, right? Well, and it costs you health-wise. And your health-wise, you know, too, uh, not only money. That, yeah, exactly. So it's just something you have to be very, very careful about. I wish I could be, I wish I had a great place in Mexico or otherwise where I could refer people and know that it was going to be really, really mm-hmm high-quality dentistry. It's difficult to deliver yeah. high-quality dentistry in this country at a at a cheap price because you, you've got to pay good employees and uh, you want to make sure that the laboratory that's doing your work is um, well compensated and that they're... So I'd be, I'd be very careful about looking for a bargain. Yeah. Can Dr. Nunley, this is from Rhonda, explain exactly what cavitations are? That was on my list to ask because we do have new people all the time from around the world listening. Mm-hmm. And it's probably a new term for a lot of people, just like it was for Patrick 12 years ago. And it was a new term uh-huh. for me about 20 years ago. Too. Uh-huh. But a, a cavitation is a hole in a, in a bone. It can be in your jaws, which is the most common spot. It can be in your hip, which is the next most common. <laughs> it, it can be in your kneecap. That's that's a very common place. It can be in any bone that has a compromised blood flow. The jaw bones have a compromised blood flow, especially as we age. And so let's say, for example, we have a tooth removed and we don't get a good blood flow in there and the bacteria from the either from the diseased tooth or from the mouth, go into the hole and you grow the gum tissue back over it and the bone over it, you can still be left with a hole there. It becomes a stagnant area, has very little blood flow to it. It's very difficult to deliver 
uh, antibiotics to it because it has a poor blood flow. It also has a greater pressure in it than the surrounding bone. So everything is against it in terms of trying to get it to clear itself up. It's like a stagnant area that you see along a, f- a fresh flowing stream. Hmm. And you see this little eddy over there that's got all the McDonald's cups in it and everything. <laughs> and well, that's what a, a cavitation collects all the debris. It's interesting when you analyze them, they'll almost always be higher in heavy metals. Hmm. And of course, they're going to be full of bacteria. The bacteria and their toxins, the end products of the bacteria, will be, uh, <clears throat> that's where they like to reside. They don't want to be in a fresh flowing stream where the white blood cells can take care of them mm-hmm. and the rest of your immune system. They get off to their little corner in a stagnant area, and then they have a little heyday over there. Mm-hmm. And you have some pretty fancy equipment to detect them, correct? It's called cone we beam? Do. Cone beam? We- we do. We do. Cone beam technology is fabulous. And, um, it's, and it's, it's an advanced type of x-ray that allows us to see the jaw bones from three dimensions. Hmm. So we can turn it, flip it, look at it inside, upside down. And uh, that's really revolutionized uh, dentistry. And I think more and more now dentists have this technology. It's expensive, so it's not easy for everybody to purchase it but i think um it's it's our biggest help in terms of determining if someone's got a cavitation or not Mm -hmm. and when you do the cavitations and take them out and clean them up um what measures do you take to to hopefully get them to the point where they're not going to come back again what what do you yeah that is a problem yeah they will come back sometimes right they will and (laughs) oh boy um here are the things that we do and we think it's very successful is um, we clean them out uh, thoroughly. We love to use um, ozonated water and or saline uh, and or ozonated gas to help with our cleaning process because that's such a great antibacterial, antifungal and antiviral. And then we'd like to reintroduce into that site the patient's own platelets. And that's called a platelet-rich fibrin technique. People will see it in the, on the Internet as PRF. Mm-hmm. And PRF is where we can take a little bit of the patient's own blood. We draw a few tubes of their blood. We have a centrifuge that will spin the platelets, stem cells, and even lots of white blood cells out into a plug. And we can take that plug of platelets and we put it back into the surgical site. And that, I think, is the greatest thing in terms of getting a good healing response. And we'd like to do a lot of other things around these patients to try to try to get this bone to heal. Um, Well, one, we're going to pray over our patients because we want to just bring everything we have to this surgery. Two, we're going to use an acupressurist to try to get the patient out of a sympathetic state and into a parasympathetic state where you heal better. We like to use high-dose vitamin C, IV, because there are many, many studies that talk about the detoxification abilities of vitamin C and also the wound healing uh, that goes on in the presence of vitamin C. So all of that together 
I think makes for a good combination of healing. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Okay, here's a question. They're a little complicated, but we're going to do it. My husband went to the dentist, received antibiotics for an infected tooth, referred to an oral surgeon, and they wanted to do... Oh, he had a week's course of amoxicillin. Amox, how do you say it? Amoxicillin. Amoxicillin. You Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know what you're talking about. Let's see. He saw the oral (laughs) surgeon while on the antibiotic surgeon thought that the infection looked better but agreed that a root canal was needed. I've shared some info with him on the concerns of root canal and he hasn't decided what to do. In the meantime, he's been taking vitamin D uh, supplementation and homemade mixture of water and xylitol. Uh, it's exactly a month later, and he feels relatively normal, knock on wood. He does make a concerted effort not to chew on that side. But um, is it possible that this thing could heal, this tooth could heal, she wants to know? Most likely not. Oh, yeah. If um, hmm. Once the pulp of a tooth goes bad, um, <clears throat> it's almost always doomed either to doing mm. a root canal or removing the tooth. It's a sad thing. We're, I think over time we're going to be able to rehabilitate the you pulp think? of a tooth. Yeah, I think so with stem cells. We, hopefully we will regenerate the pulp. And uh, But really at this point it's in its infancy. And now once it goes bad, oh, let me address this particular case in particular. Okay. When a tooth is going bad, it goes through an acute phase where it hurts like the devil. And that's what, of course, motivated him to go seek treatment and get the antibiotics. And so the antibiotics knocked it down. Well, then typically a tooth then goes through the next phase of the abscess, which is the chronic phase. It may find a place to drain and it may form a little gum boil. It may drain out through there, and that's the pressure valve for it. Or it may drain up into the sinus. The sinus is a nice big hole, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, it'll take a lot of pressure off. So that's usually what happens. But it doesn't mean the infection is gone, unfortunately. And I think still in this lady's husband's case, he's still going to have to deal with this tooth. And uh, the traditional dentist would be recommending a root canal. And... uh, we might as well. Most likely, we would be recommending extraction. Uh-huh. So the bacteria, mm-hmm. are they there trying to clean things up? That's what they're there for? Trying to clean? They're there, uh, they're there in a nice little warm environment. They like 98.6. They're there, and uh, they also uh, love the fact that there's n- nobody there competing with them because the, what happens when the tooth dies is there's, there's not a blood supply to it. Uh-huh. So they get to sit in this beautiful little warm area, and they like to be in anaerobic conditions. In other words, no oxygen. So here they are. It's like, you know, it's like uh, a fish wants to be in water. It doesn't do all that well out here uh, on land because it doesn't tolerate oxygen. They can't receive the oxygen the way we can. Hmm. I mean, it's an aerobic animal. But these bacteria, they want to be in that particular environment without oxygen. And now they don't have to avoid any um, white blood cells like these big Pac-Man white blood cells that come in there to gobble them up. They're safe. They're safe. And now they can just raise their families 
and literally have condos worth of bacteria <laughs> inside this tooth. Good for them. And they, um, until you take the tooth out or do the root canal, and even if you do the root canal, this is the problem. You cannot get to all the condos worth of bacteria that stay in the tooth. That's the problem. You can get to a lot of them, mm-hmm. but you still have some remaining, and you've got this dead tooth that serves as an incubator for the bacteria to continue to thrive. And then the bacteria waste material um, can go anywhere and just cause issues anywhere. With, with, with all kinds of things, right? No, that's right. Okay. And there are even papers there are papers now that deal with the toxins from root canals causing, as I mentioned earlier, everything from cardiovascular disease and stroke to depression to uh, rheumatoid arthritis to lung and kidney issues. There's not a system that those toxins can't impact. Wow. Uh, breast cancer mm-hmm. as well. There's been lots of uh, work looking oh, yeah. at the connection between breast cancer and, and, and root canals, right? There have been so many, and there's a brand new book now just published by a fabulous researcher and dentist in Germany. Johann Lechner is his name, and he's published a new book. Just was released, I think, within the last 10 days, hmm. uh, dealing with these dental infections and systemic illnesses, and one of them being uh, all kinds of cancers, but breast cancer in particular. Wow. Dr. Stuart mm-hmm. Nunley is with us. We have a few more minutes before um, we're going to let him go. Uh, if you have a question, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. What, would you ask your dentist about biometric dental procedure that is used to restore the integrity and cosmetic look of the teeth instead of crown procedure that automatically the tooth is shaved down by the dentist? It seems to be an expensive procedure. Is it reliable and durable, especially for the upper teeth, if yes, could you give me a referral of a good dentist uh, in Southern California? Well, I, I've never heard of that. Biometric dental procedure. You know well, from that? It's actually biomimetic. 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 Yes, I misread Am it. I, You're right. Yeah, biomimetic. Yeah. And I think it's a fabulous procedure because you preserve tooth structure. What you do, Let's say you break huh. a corner of a tooth off. Right. Well, then you begin to layer. You layer little increments of the tooth back hmm. until you build the entire tooth up. It is actually a very, very strong uh, way to restore a tooth. And so my answer to the listener is, of course, I'm, in huge, I'm a huge fan of it, and that's what we do at our office. We try to avoid crowns unless we're taking off an old crown that has uh, bad metals in it. Anytime we're going to restore broken tooth, we're going to restore it back biomimetically where we do a little bit at a time. And then you get this strong, beautifully well-formed tooth. And, um, hmm. and that would be our choice. I don't know of a great biomimetic dentist in the Southern California area. I know there are some. Um, I know of <clears> – there are some others. I think if you just Google biomimetic dentistry, uh, you should be able to. You should be able to um, find some um, lo- locate one, especially in California. That's sort of a, a stronger area for that type of dentistry. So this is a process that you do, biomimetic. We do. Oh, wow! Absolutely. And what what material oh, yeah. are you putting on the tooth? What is it? Yeah, we like it's a bonded composite <laughs> material, <laughs> and it's a material 
Um, the one that we like is one that's made in Germany, um, but there are many, many now uh, biocompatible material. I think back, Patrick, when when you did a, maybe the first interview with me, I don't know how many years ago. It's probably About 12. Way more than <laughs> yeah. But at any rate, we didn't have that many biocompatible materials to mm-hmm. work with. Mm-hmm. We do now. The companies are really making an effort to be much more biocompatible. So dentists can choose materials that their patients are biocompatible with quite easily. And uh, the one I like and the one we use in our office is made in Germany. It's by a company called Voco, V-O-C-O. And they, they are renowned for, using, for making biocompatible dental materials. Uh-huh. So uh, interesting. Um, okay, here's another one. Lynn, Lynn wants to know, what symptoms or signs would someone experiencing if they're having problems with their implant? Oh, good question. What symptoms? Yeah, how would they yeah. know if the implant is not happy? Tenderness. Tenderness. Around? Implants should not be tender. Hmm. And when they become tender, or sometimes they're not tender, but the dentist or the patient, the patient may be able to taste something bad. You know, exudate or pus has a very distinct taste to it if a patient has an implant and they can taste that or if they can press on it and where it's expressing the infection out of it uh, then that's a very bad sign for an implant when it when an implant becomes loose that's the worst sign that means the implant has failed what could be this is from nancy what could be the cause of a uh, lower tooth up front being sensitive could it be from my cookies I eat, my dentist just said, use uh, Senzodyne toothpaste. Didn't know if you had any other ideas with it. <laughs> could it be the cookies? Yes, it could be the cookies. <laughs> could be the cookies. Could be, uh, could be that you're grinding your teeth in your sleep and don't even know it, and you make them uh, sensitive. Uh, unbeknownst to you, it can happen. And sometimes we all have these little habits that we're unaware of that happen in our sleep. We wouldn't dream that we get out there and grind on our front teeth. But if you had a video of yourself, you would see, um, it may, may or not be true in this patient's case, but many times we get off into these bizarre positions, like something like this, where you'd think you'd never would get. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it happens more frequently than you'd think. <laughs> Final <laughs> one for you, then we'll let you go to work. This is from Nina. That's a great name. Nina, what does Dr. Nunley brush his his teeth with what do you use what do you oh use? i tell you what i i like baking soda and i like still i like a little bit of salt with a dash of hydrogen peroxide just to kind of wet my brush really the three percent you know baking soda salt that's what my grandmother used um and i can put a little drop of peppermint oil in there and uh, that's 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 just fabulous there are there are there are some really good holistic toothpaste that the main thing is you know i would i would avoid a toothpaste that has fluoride in it and one that has you don't want to if your toothpaste is sudsing gets real sudsy (laughs) then you you want to avoid it so avoid toothpaste that are sudsy and then have fluoride in them is it is it true that sometimes glycerin can uh um, cause the teeth not to remineralize in a toothpaste? 
Glycerin? Yes. I've read I, that over the years, yeah. I don't know. I believe that I believe that is accurate. Wow. Yeah, and I'm not positive. I'm not a hundred percent positive. But I, I I've read that as well and <clears throat> I'd have to I'd have to definitely research that before I said that categorically. Yeah. When I was on KLBJ we interviewed a fellow, his name was Judd, J U D D, a doctor. He taught a dental school and he talked about the mm. glycerin not uh, allowing the tooth to remineralize, but that was 20 years ago. So, you know, I don't know. It's been where I heard it. I, <laughs> I, I have heard that, but I, it's not something I've looked into much. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dr. Nunley, thanks for coming on. I uh, really appreciate it. His website is healthysmilesforlife.com, healthysmilesforlife.com. I just kind of split it up there. Don't use a space if you, if you Google it, but I just did that so you could see what mm-hmm. it looks like there, healthysmilesforlife.com. So say hi to Freeman, Owens, and Dorsey for us. Um, mm. yeah. Tell them we said hi. I'll do it. I'll do it. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be with you. It's it's fun. Uh, you know, you help me take such good care of my teeth, I don't get to come very often, but I have so much fun, I just want to come out sometimes. <laughs> and see you. We love it. See you guys. <laughs> okay. Love Thank you, sir. You. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate Thank you. it. Take your Thank time. Thank you, Patrick, Thank you. so Bye-bye. much. Dr. Stuart Nunley, Patrick Timpone. OneRadioNetwork.com. He's a good one. Healthy Smiles for Life. Well, you can tell he's a good guy. He knows what he's doing. So if you would uh, like to visit him, HealthySmilesForLife.com. We're going to kind of take a break here, just a few minutes, and uh, settle up. Um, oh, I, can, I think he just called in, and uh, we're going to get him on the air, and that is uh, our next guest on OneRadioNetwork.com, which would be um, Richard Mayberry. So thanks for coming by. We'll see you in just a second, and this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Okay, let's do this here. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.